0: especially as a newer lawyer or a law student or a college student, educating yourself early on these things is gonna pay dividends because then you'll know. I mean, a lot of people go to law school really not knowing that the true reality of what we do and you know what it really means to be a lawyer. And if you can plug in and educate yourself on those things early, it'll have huge benefits for you beyond having this great network or getting a good job. You'll actually know what you're getting into. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Lawyer to
1: Lawyer, with J. Craig Williams, bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams, coming to you from Southern California, or by a blog named May It Please the Court, I have two books out titled How to Get Sued and The Sled. This is another in our ongoing series of The Life of a Lawyer Start to Finish, the third one. And here we're going to explore the experience of becoming and being an attorney from applying to law schools through retirement and everything in between. On our last episode in this series, we discussed how to succeed in law school with Isaac Mamansky. But on today's episode, we're going to move on to the next step and discuss how to find a job after law school. We're pleased to be joined by someone who wrote the playbook on how to do just that. We'll discuss the strategy for finding a job, how to stand out from the rest in this competitive field, and ensuring the path you pick is the right path for you. And to do that, our guest today is Rachel Geserse. She's a trial attorney with Panish, Shea, Boyle, and Rabapudi, who specializes in litigating complex, catastrophic personal injury, wrongful death, and products liability cases. Rachel is the author of The Law Career Playbook, The Guerrilla Guide to Getting a Legal Job You Actually Like which is the leading network guide for law students and new lawyers. And welcome to the show, Rachel.
0: Hi, happy to be here.
1: Great. Well, that's a very interesting title for a book. What did what inspired you to write it?
0: Well, when I I was working on this book back when I was working in big law at the Jones Day law firm in Los Angeles and even though it's actually an amazing firm and a really good place to 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 join as a new lawyer in big law for training and just for the people that you meet there, as I got more senior, I realized I was not a very happy lawyer and I, you know, I had a lot of mentees and people that I was working with from my law school who I would always help kind of follow my path to break into big law, so to speak. And I realized um, that the path to being a happy lawyer is more about finding a job where you fit a job that actually you, you feel utilized and you feel like you're using your best self every day towards. And as I was helping other people get their jobs, I started working on this book and started working on this idea of figuring out who you are and what you want from the law. And that's what inspired me it was my own journey as an unhappy lawyer, kind of shifting out of big law in the defense and then helping others also finding their dream jobs in the law.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk today about small law, medium law, and big law. But what was it about big law that made you an unhappy lawyer?
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. It's 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 it is the dream job. Oftentimes, when you're in law school, and there's there's good reasons for that. You know, the money is good, and you have really excellent, smart clients, and and great, high-profile cases that you work on. But for me, it wasn't a, a good fit because as I got more senior, I was working more on these massive, sort of document review projects. And not really utilizing the storytelling and the advocacy things that had brought me to the law in the first place, I just wasn't doing that on a day-to-day basis. And so I really had to look at myself and look at the work. And, you know, it's not that document review is not important work. It is. But for me, it was just no longer a good fit as I got more senior.
1: Right. Well, let's talk, too, about uh, trial work. And you're in litigation now. But what level of litigation did you reach when you were working for Jones Day?
0: What level? <laughs> well, you know,
1: you you talked about document review, so you're at least in the discovery phase. But did you deal in the motion phase or the trial phase?
0: I did, you know, and I was lucky. At, you know, the the firm gave actually pretty decent opportunities for a larger big law firm to more junior associates. So I had some, I was involved in some big trials coming in and I got to see that phase. And certainly there was a lot of motion practice and depositions. And I feel like I was given those opportunities, but the problem is, is there's often a shift in the types of cases that come in and in larger sort of business focused cases, you just don't get those opportunities. Those cases aren't going to trial. They're just many, many, many years of being, you know, stuck in that sort of discovery phase of litigation. And so you don't get those opportunities, or at least I wasn't. So, you know, hence my unhappiness.
1: Right. Well, in my experience, I was, uh, during law school in the legal clinic. And so I got some trial work in jury and and uh, bench trial work. And then after law school, I got seconded to the district attorney's office in uh, here locally in San Bernardino County. So I got a ton of trial experience, but there's a track and, you know, we talk about tracks in law school, tracks to become a professor, tracks to become a, a judge and a track to become a lawyer at a big law firm and also tracks to, you know, reach nonprofit corporations and the like what was the track that you followed to get into big law
0: well um to get in it was it was a challenge because i went to southwestern law school which has you know puts lawyers places lawyers in big law but it's really you know the top 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 of the class that gets in and for me i was in the top 10% of the class but i was i think i was like the lowest person in the top 10% so not really in that top 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 part And that's a challenge at a school like Southwestern because the on-campus interview program um, is pretty limited to those very top students. So you really do have to hustle to get those opportunities, which is what I did. Um, And, you know, I talk about that in my book. The hustle is really about research and making these connections with lawyers in the industry that you're targeting early on so that you don't have to rely on the on-campus interviewing process. You can actually create those opportunities yourself, which is exactly what I did. And because of that, I was able to self-generate callbacks, callback interviews, which is what you're hoping to get from that on-campus interviewing part of your journey. I was able to do that and then connect with people in big law and create those opportunities for myself. So that's how, how I got in the door. And then once you're in the door as a summer associate, then it's all about, you know, really planting out that career path and and doing well in big law and, you know, raising your hand and showing up for the work that you want. It's just a, it's a constant process.
1: Right. Do you think it's fairly typical for the large big law firms to look to the, say, top 10 schools in the U.S. News and World Report rankings and say, we're going to cherry pick the top students from the top schools?
0: Yeah, well, certainly, you know, they the big law firms target the top schools, but they, all, you know, to their credit, I think that they will consider top students from all law schools, um, because really the big law firms and, you know, large firms or just firms in general are looking for top tier talent. And they do understand. I mean, they get it that there are there is top tier talent at a quote unquote lower ranked law school those who have distinguished themselves even in that pool will be good fits for the law firm so i think that you know big law generally will look into it but it's all about connecting with those those decision makers as as a law student and so that's why you know you can't just rely on your law school and you can't just rely on on campus interviewing you actually have to take it upon yourself to make those connections and make your name known to the decision makers who are making those decisions at the, law, at the big law firms.
1: One of the things I've recommended to potential to students who are becoming potential lawyers when I've counseled them is to say to go to the local bar association meetings and start to meet lawyers, join as a student. What's your thought about that?
0: No, that's a great idea. Um, and I think, you know, look, the pandemic has sort of upended everyone's lives and, you know, caused us to go much more online. But it's it's provided, to, in my view, law students with a whole new way of connecting. So you can go in person to these events where you'll find lawyers, but then you can also watch webinars and, and, and find out who lawyers are that way. I mean, there's a lot of online and Zoom content now that law students can connect with and join where they don't even have to go in person anymore and they can still meet people or get to know people and then connect that way. So I think it's a really great thing for law students to do because there's a twofold benefit. One, you get to meet people and grow your network. And two, you get to learn about the industry, which is a huge part of what I talk about in the book. You know, you need to educate yourself and connect truly with what's going on in the industry and the parts of it that you're interested in. And then you also need to grow your network and meet people and have this band of advocates who will help you in your journey towards getting the job that you that's a good fit for you.
1: Let's talk about the actual process that a student goes through to get a job, starting with becoming a summer associate, perhaps in your, in your second year uh, or first year. Uh, and then walk us through how you go about specifically shopping for a job in addition to what you've talked about in terms of, you know, reaching out beyond this typical process.
0: Right. So, you know, I advocate and, you know, which is why I I, I really wrote the book, not just for people currently in law school, but for people who are considering law school. So college students um, who are considering taking the LSAT, you know, that early, early times, because I really believe that as you move along this process, your time becomes more and more limited. Uh, Law school itself is a great time, but it's a very, very busy time where you need to be focusing on your academics. So if you, as a college student, can actually start building out and educating yourselves on the industry and building out your network early on, it's all the more, it'll pay such greater dividends for you as you go through this process. And there's there's no, (laughs) despite what you might think when you go into law school, there is no typical path. You know, the typical path for big law is that, you know, you would do very, very well in your first year of of law school. You'd get very good grades and get in that top 10 or 5 percent. And then you would be selected for on-campus interviewing. You would then at that point get to meet a bunch of big law firms and then get callbacks and get your summer associate job. That would be the most typical path. But what I advocate in the book and what I really believe is that that, you know, you can actually build out a much better path for yourself if you build out a network before law school, even. And you get to know lawyers, you get to educate yourself, because maybe you don't even want big law. Maybe you want to become a trial attorney, what I've become now, right, a plaintiff trial attorney at a smaller plaintiff firm. Maybe you want to go work in entertainment. All of that takes... Educating yourselves, figuring out what you want, meeting lawyers in the industry, and then doing what, you know, which the cornerstone of my book and my whole process is doing informational interviews with real lawyers, doing the work you think you want to do to see if you even want to do it. Because you're not going to learn from a law firm website or a law school website what real lawyers do. You're going to learn that from meeting and talking with real lawyers and figuring out what they do on a day-to-day basis.
1: Right. And let's talk about uh, that network that you wanted to develop because not only is a network, I think, important for you to get into law school, but the same network and maybe even a broader one while you're a lawyer is what makes you a partner.
0: Absolutely. And that's for business development purposes, for, for career development purposes. There is nothing better than having a strong network of advocates who will help you progress. You know, they, they they call it the practice of law for a reason because it's really hard. And on a daily basis, you're presented with challenges and you need to practice and get better and you make mistakes. And it's just the best thing ever to be able to call up someone who isn't your boss, who's in your network, who can help you and give advice and just help you through this very difficult, challenging and rewarding career that we have.
1: Right. unless. Also, the the range of careers that are available, like just for example, I had two roommates throughout law school. One roommate went into the JAG Corps, the Judge Advocate General Corps for the Army. And another, my other roommate went and became a political consultant in Washington, D.C. So for the people that are considering it, what kind of jobs are available out there for lawyers?
0: I mean, you you nailed it. There's so, the range and just the amount of work that you can do with this law degree is just, I mean, the world is your oyster. And I think, you know, on the flip side of that, people, there's so many unhappy lawyers, right? There's so many people, um, you know, there's this concept of the golden handcuffs and, you know, law school loans, and you get stuck in this job that you actually hate. And the reality of it is, We can do anything with this law degree. And there's so many things um, that you could do with it. But you got to find that. You got to figure it out. And a lot of that is about doing this upfront work and meeting lawyers, finding out what people do, seeing if it's truly something that you could see yourself doing, and then plugging in and trying it. Um, The beautiful thing about law school is— You can do externships, you know, you can go work at a firm for a semester, you can work there at the summer, you can see if you like it. And if you don't, then you go back to the drawing board and you try something else.
1: In law school, there's a certain resume building that you can do as well as when you graduate. I, for example, I think you were both in moot court and on law review.
0: That's right. And I worked for a judge, which to me was the absolute best thing I did in law school. And if I could have done it throughout law school, I would have. Um, Because in that, you know, you really learn when you're working in chambers, you get to see the sort of behind the scenes, how the judge actually formulates her, his opinions, how they work it up. You know, what, what they really think about the lawyers who are presenting their cases to them in the courtroom. And you really get to see from a neutral perspective, you know, how the sausage is made. And I think it makes you a better lawyer to have that understanding. And so I would highly recommend that all students do some sort of judicial externship, you know, judicial internship, whatever they call it, um, during law school or in the summer.
1: Well, Rachel, we need to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs developed by experts in learning design,
0: filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com slash simple.
1: Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Gee, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's JD McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you. I bet you he has got so many years of experience like decades and decades. And I bet, gee, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Gee and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found. And welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm joined by Rachel Gezerse, trial attorney and author of the book, The Law Career Playbook, The Guerrilla Guide to Getting a Legal Job You Actually Like. Right before the break, you mentioned the kind of the practical aspects of you learning from a judge, how both sides present themselves. But there's also lawyers who are out there that are going to go into the direct practice of law. How important is it during law school to be taking these practical courses to teach you how to practice law?
0: It's really important uh, because, you know, a lot of the complaints that I've heard and I think experienced myself was, you know, law school is sort of this bubble. And then you get to the practice of law. You know, for me, that was joining Jones Day. Um, And you feel like you're actually not prepared. (laughs) You've done all of this stuff in the bubble, you know, academically. And then the practice of law is actually this massive challenge. And so if you can in law school take practical courses on how to litigate you know how to advocate how to write a motion um, even even how how to do discovery if those classes are available to you you should take them because as a you know attorney when you come in that's the kind of stuff you're going to be doing as a new lawyer and having those practical skills will ease that transition for you so much more
1: you know i was lucky during law school that um, the Iowa writer school opened up their doors to lawyers to help us learn our potential you know, law students to teach us how to write. But what role does writing play uh, and how important is it for you to learn as a student, as a law student, how to write?
0: I think it's everything. <laughs> you know, we've watched these, these lawyer shows on TV and, you know, they're all in the courtroom and they're all, you know, you know, advocating verbally, but the, 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 the reality of it is most of the time you're spending at your computer writing your, the, the word, your advocacy, what, what makes the difference in the courtroom is actually what, what you're briefing. And if you don't have that, those skills, those writing skills, the ability to, you know, put, put your client's story down on paper and get it across in a succinct way, then you won't make it as a lawyer. The, the writing is absolutely the most important thing to focus on.
1: Right. And the gentleman who rewrote Black's Law Dictionary, Brian Garner, and I'm just going to give him a free plug here. He gives writing seminars, and they are absolutely spectacular. And I would highly recommend uh, students as well as young lawyers taking those uh, those classes to, or seminars to learn how to write correctly. I think you're exactly right, Rachel. It's tremendously important. Well, you mentioned Resume building, and we talked about it, and, and networking, what specific tips do you have to build your network and to build your resume?
0: Right. And my book is all about that is the, the central tenet and in, in it's informational interviews and and really just and, and it's a really great thing because you can sort of take you can become I, I say it become the CEO of me, right? You you can take your career in your own hands this way, and you can plot it out and be very strategic with an informational interview. And what I mean by that is, you know, you use powerful tools that we have online now, like LinkedIn. Everyone listening to this who's not already a member of, who hasn't joined LinkedIn should, because you can, on LinkedIn, you can put your resume up, you can have this outward facing professional profile to the world. And then you can also use LinkedIn's very powerful research tools to identify people doing the kind of work that you want to do. And then you can reach out to them and meet them. And, you know, as I said before, the beautiful thing about the, The online Zoom world that we live in now is you can request, instead of requesting a 15-minute coffee meeting, right, which for some lawyers is a bit of a burden on their time, you can do a 15-minute Zoom meeting with them now, and that'll be much easier for them to schedule and much easier for you to get access. And you can do these informational interviews to get to know people doing the kind of work that you want to do. And I always tell my students and I tell the readers of my book, you got to be a sponge. It's not about, you know, it's not about you getting a job right now. It's about learning and growing from the people that you're meeting and building out this network of advocates who are going to help you find that perfect job for you.
1: Right. And I I really want to emphasize your recommendation of informational interviews, especially for, uh, as you mentioned, law students before they go to law school, interview some other lawyers to find out what you like to do and what you might not like to do. But that leads us to the question of when you graduate, how do you stand out from the competition in what's admittedly a very competitive field?
0: Right. I, I mean, I think it's because you've, you've built up this network. You, uh, and I truly believe this. I talk about it in the book, this concept of the hidden job market. So it's true. So if there's a posted job opening on LinkedIn or wherever, even at your law school, it's it's very true that there's probably going to be hundreds of resumes going in for that posted job opening. And it's very hard to distinguish yourself. Probably the only way to distinguish yourself is if you already know someone who works at that place of legal employment that has the opening and they can put in a good word for you. But... The beauty of the hidden job market is that if you've built out this network and you and people know you, they know your skills, they know the type of job that would be perfect for you, and they're advocating for you behind the scenes. When an opening comes up at a law firm or at you know an at a studio or wherever it is that you're looking. They'll think of you first because they know you're looking, they know who you are, and then they submit your materials or you, you know they'll call you up and they'll say, "Hey, Rachel, um this this opening came up at my place. No one knows about it yet. Send me your resume. I'm going to get you an interview there. This happens all the time. This is actually how people get their jobs, mostly in our industry. It's certainly how I got my dream job, the job that I currently have. That wasn't a posted opening. There was a need. At my firm and people at the firm who knew me knew I was looking and they called me up. I had a lunch and I was hired. And that's just the way it usually works. And that's how you distinguish yourself because you've already distinguished yourself.
1: Right. And there's also some specialized personal branding and marketing that you mentioned in your book.
0: You know, Once you've determined what you want and the, the position that you want, the law firm you want to work at, the type of work you want to do, you can build your materials around that. And I call it building a narrative. So everything that you do, the way you write your resume, the words on the page, how you design them, everything you say when you meet people is built around this narrative of what you want to do. And it's how you frame yourself so that, you know, when, when this opening arises, you know exactly how to frame your experience and your skill set so that it's the best fit for the opportunity.
1: Now, you made a big switch in your career moving from Jones Day and defense work to Panish's firm, which is a, a very well-known and respected uh, plaintiff's firm. Isn't that a big shift in mentality?
0: You know, it is, but the beautiful thing, and this was, you know, it's so funny, right? It's like reverse engineering because I wrote the book before I had this experience of making that shift, but I used all of my own advice (laughs) to my advantage and it worked. And that's really, you know, you have a skill set no matter what. You have life experience and you have a skill set that you bring to the table. Then it's a question of how do you tailor that and make that look, you know, framing it in a way that For this potential employer where they can really see how that what you're bringing to the table will actually benefit them, right? So I had a skill set that I had built up in over a decade of working at Jones Day, litigation skills, storytelling skills, clients, you know, where I had really, you know, whether even though they were in defense, I had advocated for them. Told their story and had a good result. So, taking all of that and shifting it to what I would be doing on the plaintiff side really sold those, you know, packaged and sold those skills in a way that it made sense that I was the best person for the opportunity. So, it's really about, you know, taking a hard look at what you're bringing to the table and reframing it to opportunities that you're now shifting to that, you know, sure, they're very, very different, but frankly, you know, the skill set is the same.
1: Let's talk briefly about the differences between big law, medium sized law and small or solo practices. I mean, both you and I have worked in big law firms and are familiar with the 80, 90 hour weeks and maybe even more. Uh, what's life in the other lanes like?
0: Well, you know, it's funny, and I talk about this with my colleagues now. You know i I, I work I can work an eighty hour week now, but it doesn't feel like work anymore. And that's really. I think that's really the big difference for me is I 1000% love what I do now because I really do feel like on a daily basis, um, even though a lot of the work can be the same, the same discovery stuff, the same sort of paperwork and the same sitting at the computer, but I do really feel like I'm making a daily difference in people's lives. So it's, it's less, I don't, um, plus I don't have to build the hours anymore, which is nice, but really, you know, it's, it's the mindset for me has completely changed on, on the hourly and I can put in the hours now and it doesn't even feel like work.
1: Right. And that's a big change from the way you felt in big law, overworked, underappreciated and really not uh, able to do the kind of change in people's lives. I and mean, you were moving dollars as opposed to helping people.
0: Well, I, I just think it's a fit thing. Look, I know I have met unhappy lawyers across the board, and it it is really, and that's why it's it's a central focus of my book is that it it is about fit and where you fit best, and there's many components to that, right? It can be the people that you're working with, the clients that you're servicing, the types of things that you're working on, what makes you happy to get up in the morning and work on. And that could be in big law. I don't, you know, I do know happy lawyers in big law because they've found that perfect fit and what they're good at. It just wasn't for me. And my, what I did wrong was I just, I was so happy at Jones Day with with sort of the office and the people there, I stayed too long because I was comfortable. But when you're not getting that full engagement on your actual day-to-day what you're doing, then yeah, you're not going to be happy. And so, you know, that's why it always goes back to exploring within yourself, what is it that makes me happy to get up in the morning and work on that day?
1: How do you learn that?
0: I think it's a process of elimination and a process of research and a process of putting it out there and speaking to other lawyers. And especially as a newer lawyer or a law student or a college student, educating yourself early on these things is going to pay dividends because then you'll know. I mean, a lot of people go to law school really not knowing that the true reality of what we do and you know what it really means to be a lawyer. And if you can plug in and educate yourself on those things early— It'll have huge benefits for you, beyond having this great network or getting a good job. You'll actually know what you're getting into.
1: Right. And let's talk about what I would consider to be what in the military we called mustangs—those uh, officers who were first enlisted men or enlisted women. How does it work with paralegals and secretaries aspiring to be lawyers?
0: Uh, who want to, Who are currently working in currently, a law firm? Right. Yeah. Currently what working I mean?
1: as a paralegal or a secretary what steps do they need to take to become a lawyer?
0: Right. Well, I think, you know, that, and I have met, there were a couple of women that I knew who who started at, at Jones Day in either a project assistant role or a paralegal role and then eventually went to law school. And that, they can have a huge advantage because they actually, talking about how the sausage is made, they truly understand what it takes, uh, to, you know, to excel on, on, you know many aspects uh, especially on the litigation front right and then they can take that skill set go to law school and bring something that a table to the table that a lot of people just wouldn't have so i think it's a great path if you want to follow it it's just a matter of you know how how you accomplish that you know there's schools southwestern and other local California schools that have night programs where you could work as a paralegal during the day and then go at night um, and then merge those two together. And I I think that that is an amazing way to approach it if that's what you want to do.
1: Right. And just for informational purposes, although Iowa no longer has the program, I went through law school on the accelerator program where you basically went all year round and finished in just a little bit over two years is because I was a uh, 5 years after law school when I started and you know to drop from making money to spending money is a big change.
0: Right. No, so that makes that's great.
1: Right. Well, Rachel, it looks like we've just about reached the end of our program, so I'd like to take this opportunity to share your final thoughts, your contact information and where our listeners can get your book, The Law Career Playbook, The Guerrilla Guide to Getting a Legal Job You Actually Like.
0: Great. Yes. Yeah, so I, um, the book is available on Amazon for anybody. Um, I did write the book. It's actually, I just celebrated my three year anniversary with the book and, um, it's still helping a lot of people, which just makes me so happy. And I'm, Always open to answering questions from readers. You can reach me um, at my work email, which is gezersay at psblaw.com. I also have some updated materials. Um, I have an updated uh, career spreadsheet that people can use, and I'm happy to send that to anybody who is interested. And as far as uh, final thoughts, I just I think anybody who's going to go on this journey, whatever you can do to arm yourself, educate yourself, really understand what you're getting into. I think that that's the best way to approach it, but it can be such a fulfilling career. And I I welcome everyone to it.
1: Great. Well, it's been a fantastic discussion. And as we wrap up, I'd like to thank our guest, Rachel Gesser for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you on the show.
0: Thank you. It's my privilege.
1: So Rachel's exactly right. As a potential law student, you need to really explore what is out there. There's such a range from working to nonprofit corporations to not working as a lawyer, but needing the education. If you're going to work in government or in Congress or back in Washington, D.C., you can serve in the military. There's just a ton of options for lawyers as a career path, judges and professors, um, and all different educational requirements to get to those points. So it's important to take those informational interviews, which is just basically call someone up and say, I'd like to get some information from you about becoming a lawyer. I don't need a job. You know, I'm not asking you to hire me. And so you reduce the, the resistance and people are always happy to help and uh, will take the opportunity to do that. At least my experience with lawyers has been. It's important to understand where you're going through, what classes you're taking in law school and what extracurricular activities you're going to participate in. We mentioned uh, law review and moot court. Those are two very prominent ones that factor highly into selection process at larger firms and midsize firms and even some smaller firms. But you don't even have to go out to join a law firm. You can go out directly and become a solo lawyer practicing by yourself, although for the first five years, it makes a lot more sense to practice under someone else to get their experience and wisdom and have a mentor. But reach out, ask for help, and you'll more than likely get it from lawyers that are well established and well respected in their career. And those are the ones you want to talk to. Well, that's it for Lawyer to Lawyer. If you like what you heard today, please rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. You can visit us at LegalTalkNetwork.com where you can sign up for our newsletter. I'm Craig Williams. Thanks for listening. Please join us next time for another great legal topic. Remember, when you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer.
0: Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network.